this yapping, yeah, I'm dying for the day That somebody finna die, trying to swerve into my lane way I ain't never been on fuck shit, just been on some thug shit I'm not the one to fuck with, plot on me, I rush him with some guns I think they rushing, homie, you ain't stopping nothing If I pull it, I'ma bust it, yeah, I'm handy with the tool They can't stand the way I move, yeah, this hammer blamer through It's just damage to your crew, I got hollow tips on hollow tips I follow him real smooth, he was talking shit They swallow clips and end up on the news, huh? What's up? What's good with it, everybody? We back for another episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast. Our deepest apologies for not being with y'all last week. I had a lot going on, so it was hard for me to be able to uh, work out with the times that me and Sam had set. But nevertheless, we are back for another episode. And first and foremost, Sam, what's good? What's up, world? Man, it's it's been a lot that's been going on here lately. Um, now that basketball is really into play and it's really starting to you know heat up a little bit let's start off with uh nba topics and first topic is probably one of the i guess um uh, one of possibly one of my favorite topics that we're going to get into this particular episode and it is about kimball walker now a lot of people if you've been watching basketball you've been seeing kimball walker has been lighting it up but if you've been following Kimball Walker, this isn't this isn't necessarily something new. This isn't something that he's just started doing. He's just doing it more effectively here recently, starting this season out. So, Sam, to start things off, my question to you is, is Kimball Walker a top five point guard in this league? Point guard? Man, point guard. Actually, man, I say that as if he's top five anything, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is the case. I'm I'm a Kimba fan. I like Kimba Walker a lot. Actually. I am as well. Actually, let let's switch up the question a little bit because he's definitely top five for me as well. How about where where does he rank among the top point guards? Hold on, you do got him as a top five point guard? I do. Oh no. Nah. Ooh, you don't? Man, no. He's 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 top ten easily, but I, I can't put him top five. I have him top five based off of what I've been seeing this season. I'll give him that he's been, he's been playing as like a top five point guard, but so I mean, name name your top five. I, uh, you know I got Chef at we one. Know that <laughs> Chris Paul, Dang Lillard, Russ, Kyrie. That's my top five point guard. See, I can't dispute that. Um, I've got I've got Steph, obviously. Uh, Russ as well, Kyrie as well, and Dame as well. I love Chris Paul, but Chris Paul's getting up at age now. He's not playing, I guess, as often as he normally does in the seasons. Chris Paul's had a lot of injury seasons these last couple years where he's still effective. He's still, I feel like, the best pure point guard in the game. But as far as production – I, I got to go with Kemba as of right now in this particular uh, season. I got Kemba in at fifth, and I got uh, Chris Paul at six. But if I, I if can't. he's not in your top five, where do you have Kemba sitting right now? Mm, he He's somewhere between six to eight around that range. I mean, I can't argue with, with you putting him ahead of Chris Paul, but there's no way I'm taking – taking Kimba over Chris Paul. I don't care what the age is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm not slighting Kimba. He's he's balling this year. 
Yeah. But I just feel like that top five, there's there's little. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's no room up there. No, there's little to no wiggle room there to get him in there. Yeah, it's really tough. But if he continues to play at the level that he's playing now, I feel like he definitely slides himself in there. You got guys like um, like a John Wall who were vying for that spot. Obviously, Dame Lillard, who, who has been in a conversation. Like, he's been, like, on the outskirts of that top five, but – He's not really somebody I feel like you can pull out of there just because of his level of play. He hasn't had a dip in production at all. And I just I feel like Kimba is he's ascending so much these last couple years. And Kimba, with him being in Charlotte, he doesn't really get the exposure that he needs to get. You look at you look at a guy like Damian Lillard. Dame's got he's got guys around him to compliment him. He's got a CJ McCollum who is a baller. That's that to me is that's an ideal uh, backcourt mate to have with a guy like Dame Lillard. Kemba's never had anybody like that. He's never had any. He's never had a, a I guess, a sidekick at all. If we no. if we really being honest, and but if we if we be a little patient, I don't know how patient Kemba's willing to be, but I think Malik Monk can definitely become that for him. I think so too, but I think Kimba's time in Charlotte is coming to an end. Me too. That's what I was saying about the the um the how patient. patient he can be. Yeah, I don't I don't think I, I think that Malik Monk came around a little too late because Malik Monk still needs at least another two to three years before, before he's that guy. Yeah, before he's gonna be ready. So yeah, I, I don't I don't see Kimba sticking around that long. I think he, he may possibly get traded this year. If they if if Charlotte's a smart team. I think they should go ahead and move him while he while he's hot. I mean, we know Jordan, and we know Jordan's track record. He's not very smart. He's not very savvy when it comes to making these type of decisions. So I'm not. I don't think he'll get uh, moved in a trade. If he does, kudos to Charlotte because that will be a great move if they can get some something super solid for him. Because obviously, I believe Kim is going to walk anyway. Yeah, I, they're not. It, it's going to happen. They're not contending, so you might as well. Like I like this is one thing Max Kellerman always says that I like. Trade the guy a year too early and not a year too late. That's a fact. So I mean, I think this this right now, once once Charlotte sees that they're not making the playoffs, or if that happens, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying if they if they see or they realize that they're not going to be where they necessarily want to be this year, I think they should go ahead and move them. Because like you said, he's most likely walking anyway. Get something back for him. A couple draft picks, another young guy or something. Get something. That's a fact. I mean, I just, at this point, it's like, it's almost inevitable that he's going to walk. Because even at the the way that he's playing and the rate of success that he's having individually, the team's not having that success. And you look no further than the game against Philly. He put up 60 and they still couldn't pull that win out. It's 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 coming a time now where you have to look at you have to take a step back and look at the bigger picture if you're Charlotte. And like you said, he's hot. He's extremely hot right now. Trade that man. Get him up out of there and get you something for him before it's too late. Cause if yeah, it's because it's too late. It's it's really over. Even if he doesn't walk, like I know Kimba's good and everything, but he's not he, a franchise. He's not gonna lead you to the to, to a title. Is he a guy you really want to give max dollars to? He's a guy that's really going to be super effective. You put him around another superstar. Stephen A. was talking about today, like, 
they always talk about the market requires that you pay a guy a certain amount and stuff. Like every, I feel like max guys, it it should only be five, six players in the league getting the max. Like why is every player that's the best player on a team getting cashed out? Like, that's just where it's at nowadays. But and it, it, it messes up the market, and then that's how you end up with teams. like the, It's watering down the product in the long run. You I get, agree. You get teams like the Wizards who, in order to keep Otto Porter, <laughs> they got to pay him uh, $25 million extra dollars than what he really deserving. So now you can't pay other guys. But you had to, if you wanted to keep him, you had to match him because Brooklyn was going to pay him everything. So exactly, and that watering it's watering down the teams in the middle and the teams in the bottom of the league. It's, it's hurting them a lot, and, I, and it puts superstars in a situation where they got to take less money mm-hmm. just to be able to win. And then you get the guys like um, no shade to any of these guys because I don't feel like they've made shady decisions at all. But you get guys like a LeBron, like a Kevin Durant, who keep signing the one plus ones because they're gonna keep getting cashed out until they they're waiting until that market really bounces up and they're like, oh yeah, let's really cash in now. And it's with that being the case, like you said, the there's a, a huge separation in the contenders and the bottom of the barrel. And the bad thing about that separation is that you have stars on those bottom-of-the-barrel teams who are getting paid crazy money, so they're not really looking at the situation like, man, I got to go get me a ring, or we ain't contending at all because they're super content with the amount of money that they're being uh, paid. And with that particular uh, case, you look at a guy like Anthony Davis. Yeah, they're, I guess, a playoff team. They're they're exceeding expectations as far as I'm concerned with, with their roster. But he's not he's content with that because of how much he's getting paid. I feel like obviously he's going to get to the point where, all right, this is enough money, now let's go contend. But instead of having him wait to get to that point, I feel like the NBA should do something about that particular thing. I agree with what you said. I never looked at it from the standpoint as if only a few guys should be getting that max money. But I agree. I couldn't agree more. I feel like it's that max money should only come for for superstars. And me and you have had a discussion multiple times of how you don't feel that there are as many superstars in the league as a lot of other people do. And yeah, I think that being case, I think that's an exclusive club. A lot of people don't feel that way. No, shoot. Well, uh, sauce. So on a completely different note, our Blue Devils are looking super suspect right now. No oh, man. We were – we had a huge lead, but Auburn went on a run, and we don't look like we are we, – we look we look nervous that they're starting to come back. We're not executing. We still, oh, my gosh, Zion. We still in foul trouble, right? No, nah, all of the guys is back out there. No. Oh. Well, they they've break. been out there for a while. I need to see this Gonzaga matchup, so they reckon they shit together. Yeah, which McCullough didn't cut it to six. Uh, Auburn did. Oh, that ain't shit. But um, let's let's touch on another topic that isn't really on our uh, on our list of topics. Let's just touch on it here briefly. Don't you think it's uh, <laughs> don't you think it's funny how on our last episode we actually talked about 
the wizards moving both of the guys, and then the story comes out that they're openly shopping everybody. On everybody. Their roster. Yes, that, man. Because we've been taught, we had a conversation in our group chat. I don't know if you saw it or not about Bill and Wall. And yeah, yeah, I did see that. I did see that when they were <laughs> when Saul said Jalen Brown was better than Brad Bill. Man, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw but, some of it. Anyway, like basically. That that team is just done. They're they're lost. They don't get along. It's time to start from scratch. The coach ain't the right guy. Yeah, there it, it's time. And we we've talked about it so many times on this podcast. Like I told them in the group chat, I'm like, bro, me and Ish have had this conversation about the Wizards at least three times since we started the podcast. Right. This started out in the playoffs last year. We was talking about the Wizards. Fact. How it wasn't working. Like we've talked about this many a time. So it's been a long time coming. Fire sale in Washington. Hey, I just – I I think it's uh, extremely coincidental that we brought that up and then, bam, here comes the story like a week later, if that. Like, it's really crazy. But as we both said, that is easily the smartest move at this point. It's, it's time. It's time to cut ties with those guys. But um, speaking of trades, let's touch on – Probably the biggest trade that we've seen of this. I don't think it's a probably. The biggest trade we've seen this year uh, was Jimmy Butler going to Philly. Now, we had the Pick and Roll Podcast fan poll of the week. And that particular poll was, does Jimmy Butler to Philly make the Sixers the favorite to win the East? Our fans voted, and it was 63% no, 37% yes. I agree with our fans. I believe that Jimmy Butler is a huge addition, but he does not give them that leg up as being the best team in the Eastern Conference because they're still, even though you add a guy as good as Jimmy Butler, you're still lacking what you lacked before Jimmy Butler, which is perimeter shooting. You still don't have that. You have J.J. Redick, and you traded a guy that can't, two guys that can shoot. Two, Sark and... And, and uh, Covington, Covington, your three, your three and D guy. Yes, you got another guy back who is skilled defensively and also skilled offensively, but he's not skilled. He's not extremely skilled shooting, which is what you need to complement the guys that you have. Yeah, Jimmy can go out there and get a bucket, and we've seen he can go out there and close games as he did against the um, Hornets. But you're not you're not missing that. I feel like you've got your guy in Joel Embiid, who's going to give you everything you need as far as closing games out and being the star that you need. You yeah. need guys around you that are going to complement Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I I agree with the fans as well. I don't think this makes them the favorite. Although I do think that even though they lost shooting, I think this still makes them a better team. Agreed. Because remember, we was talking about um. Ben Simmons is a mismatch for every team in the league besides like 10% of the league. So, right, up three teams, maybe Boston, Warriors, and Lakers. Yeah, he wouldn't be a mismatch for y'all. Like, there's a few teams in the league, maybe three or four teams that he's not a walking mismatch for. Toronto, that's what I was Yeah, team Toronto. Was. Yeah, that's who it is. So, like, now that you have Jimmy Butler. A few other teams are he becomes a mismatch for a few other teams because now all of a sudden you can't throw your small forward on Ben Simmons. Exactly. You can't now, throw your best defender on Ben yeah, Simmons. Now either. you've got to use either your four man or your one man to guard Ben Simmons. And and that's gonna be a problem. Mm-hmm. Because 
your three's got to guard Jimmy Butler. He's got his hands full now. So, right. Yeah, I think that that's going to help them a lot, especially in the playoffs against teams like Boston and Toronto, because I don't think they had much of a chance at beating those teams, how they were constructed before Jimmy Butler. Because you're going, you're going to throw Kawhi on Ben Simmons and – What's he going Shutting to do? everything down. Yeah, it's over. And we already <laughs> saw what, what Boston was able to do with Ben Simmons last year. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even though it's a year later, Ben still hasn't shown that he's a better shooter or that he's even willing to take the jump shot. So, I still see the same situation out of that with Boston. But now, it now who what they going to do now? That's true. What now, is Boston going to do with them now? To me, Boston is the ideal team because you throw guys with your lineup. You have um, you have Kyrie. You with with your lineup, you can go Kyrie and all forwards, and they won't miss a beat. You have guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who can guard. One can guard Jimmy Butler. One can guard Ben Simmons, and then you're good. You're perfectly fine. That. They're ideal. That's the they are I feel like the team that it doesn't matter what Philly throws out there, they're going to be able to defend it because of the versatility that they have with their wings. But outside of Boston, I agree a hundred percent. And now that you brought bring up the point of Ben Simmons being even more of a mismatch now, it kind of makes me think that maybe that's what Philly was looking to do when they brought in Jimmy Butler, is that they were trying – they were looking more toward playoff time. Yeah, now, you got you to get, get that stud defender off of Ben, especially exactly. while he can't shoot. You gotta, Make the game a lot easier for your best player yeah, or second-best player because I feel like Joel Embiid is their best player. But Simmons is a guy that the more you let him just roam around free without impeding him – He's just going to eat you up. The more effective he becomes. You've got to be able to put somebody in front of him that's going to make him change directions and go Mm -hmm. east and west sometimes. You you do not want that guy going downhill because he is it. You got to get an elite defender, period, guarding him. Somebody that that really knows how to defend because anybody else, he's going to do what he wants out there. You're not going to bait him into shooting that jump shot unless you're an elite defender and you show that he can't go around you. It's still hard to keep him out the paint, even though you know he's not going to shoot the jumper. The thing about Ben Simmons is he's a uh, he's a sneaky strong guy. You never really you can't see by looking at his stature how strong he is, but it shows on the court. Ben, like you said, he's not a guy that you can just keep out of the lane whenever you want to. He has those those moments to where he'll really assert himself and look like I don't care. Who you put on me? If I'm going to get to the cup, I'm getting to the cup. Yeah. He can finish every way possible in the paint, both hands, floaters, hooks, dunks, finger rolls, whatever you want. And he, he changes his he changes pace as well. He uses yes. It. So he's hard to keep out the paint even though he can't shoot. So you definitely want a guy like Kawhi guarding him, and now they can't afford to use him on him. Yeah, you, you can't do that. I feel like – uh, Toronto is definitely a team that probably looks at this trade like uh, I feel like we could still get them, but it's definitely going to make it a lot tougher. Yeah, it changes now. it. It changes it. And there's very strong rumblings that there might be a mellow sighting in Philly. But the only, have you heard that too? I have. Yeah. I, I think it'll be cool if Melo will accept his role. Thing with Melo right now. I'm on the point. I'm on the train with Melo to where if you're not going to accept your role, hang it up. 
Yeah, it's 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 funny because uh, Allen Iverson posted a picture of him and Melo and said the caption said something like "same fight" or something like that, and that I feel like it's it's a mirror image of what is to come. I feel like uh, it was a little different for AI because at the time when they were wanting him to take a bench role, I feel like he was still capable of being a starter. I feel like with Melo it's evident that you have to play your role. And the thing about Melo is a lot of people are not realizing Melo's not having a terrible season this year. If you look deep into the statistics, there are certain instances where Melo is more effective this year than he has been in previous years. As far as him being isolated in a post, he's much more effective in that way. There are a lot of things in Melo's game that shows that Melo's still a baller. He can still play. But like he's not said, going where he fits, man. He not. I agree. He, not, he hasn't fit in his last two stops. I agree. At all, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I agree, hundred percent. And I think that him in Philly wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. That I he got off the bench in Philly for sure. That's a fact. And I feel like with with those young studs, if Melo buys into that, that makes Philly a so uh, a much better team. Makes him a much better ball club because. We've seen, even with the, back, with dating the, back to last year, when Melo wants to shoot and when Melo really gets hot, Melo's hot. Like, he's still a perimeter threat. If, if well, Philly with a fully bought-in Melo, I'll give them the number one in the East slot. Mm, if th- he's fully bought-in to coming off the pine and playing the role they need him to, with the addition of Jimmy Butler too, I give them. I I say they probably be a favorite. I could. I wouldn't dispute it at all. I would still give the leg up to Boston, but I feel like it definitely makes that margin a lot slimmer. If anybody were to say they got mellow now, they're definitely the best team in the East. I wouldn't dispute it. As like like you said, if it is the mellow that's fully bought in, I wouldn't dispute it at all because I feel like people would have a point. But my personal preference would be Boston still. But yeah, I agree. I agree. I feel like a fully bought in mellow. Bro, what is Boston going to do with Joel and B? People want to keep talking about nothing. The best nothing. People keep talking about the best player in the East on Facebook all the time, and not one of those posts that I have seen has anybody mentioned Joel and B. I'm not saying that he hands down is the best, but he's he got to be definitely in is in the conversation. That's a fact. Only thing I see is Kawhi or Giannis. Like people acting like Joel and B is not out here going for 40 and 15. On the reg. Yeah, like he's <laughs> like going crazy. I don't know if people just not seeing it or what. I got Joel him. B is balling. I got him in fantasy, so I'm I'm fully aware of what he's doing. He's the number one player in fantasy over all positions when it comes to fantasy scoring. And that is that goes into his uh efficiency, that goes into his scoring, his rebounding, his blocks, everything that he's doing on the court. He's affecting the game in every way possible. And like you said, that's yeah. not somebody that you can not have in that discussion. Like that's like a slap in the face. That's almost he's- He's definitely he's definitely in that conversation. Yeah, like, that's a fact. Strong case to be the best player in the East. Yes, extremely strong case. Like I personally didn't we do that on the episode? Or I don't feel like we had that conversation one time and I said Joel and B. Yeah, think, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we, we talked did. about who when Kawhi got traded, I think who's the best team, the best player in the East. Yeah. Yeah. I man. You I'm did say Joel and B. I'm a fan of Embiid. He reminds me a lot of Hakeem. Oh, Roger. my goodness. It's almost what? like uh, 
repeating itself. It is it's scary because you look at a guy like Joel Embiid who <laughs> when he's on the court and he's running, he almost looks like his knees are about to break. Like he don't even look like a guy that's like he's like one of those awkward walking guys, but in between those lines when a whistle is blown, he has everything you need from a big guy. Everything. The scary thing about him is he's still got a lot of room to improve in the post with his back to the basket. That's a fact. He's not he's not a great back to the basket postman yet. And he's already just going. Like you can't do nothing with him. He's Euro stepping through the lane. He's his face up game is special. No, nasty. He got soft touch, man. Man, Joel Embiid is an animal. Yeah, he's and I remember having this discussion too. We had we actually had this discussion last year. On a podcast, I believe it was, we were discussing the best big in the game. And I believe you also said Joel Embiid at that time. And at that time, I was fully on the boogie train. And I was on the boogie train and the Anthony Davis tra- uh, train. And I wasn't taking an Embiid over either one of those guys. You ask me that question now, you're getting a completely different answer out of me. Joel Embiid is here, and I don't feel like he's going anywhere at all. Like, nah, he's not. Um, we touched on Melo a little bit. Do you think that Philly is the best uh, destination for him? What do you f- see as being the best fit for Melo? It depends. Like I said, if he don't buy in, then I it think it don't matter. Be- it's over. He better off going back to Denver yeah. and having this farewell no. tour. If he don't buy in, then his best destination is his couch. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if he is not going to accept a new role, then his best destination is the crib, chilling at Try and make sure he get and get back good with Lala, cause fact. I mean, bro, like you watched it with Iverson. You see, okay, you want to talk about you want to talk about same battle. Well, then you clearly seen that AI lost that battle. Exactly. So why are you gonna fight the same one, bro? Like, and, and like you said, we didn't we didn't really see Iverson decline until he was already asked to take a step back, right? We've seen Melo play decline before he even was asked to come off the bench. Exactly, they was asking him to come off the bench because his play was declining. Mm-hmm. Like we we've we've seen that Melo, like you're still you still I still strongly believe he can contribute, but I don't think he can contribute the way he thinks he can contribute. He thinks he can still average mm-hmm. 25, 26 a game. I don't see that. I think that guy's gone. It's like he gets into that mode to where. I don't know if it's because he feels himself off of the off season when he be hoodie mellow and be in there playing pickup with the rest of the guys and he still feel like shit. I got it. I can compete with these guys. Completely different ball game in the NBA, but this is LeBron. LeBron is the one killing Melo's pride. Maybe he probably still looking up, looking up, trying to chase that that ghost. No, it's not even catch. that. It's not even trying to chase that. It's just like, damn, we came in at the same time and he's still playing at that level. At the time when we came in, they was like, am I better? Is he better? Like, we was even. Now, he's just still balling and going to championships. And I am can't find a home. I think I think that bothers Melo that his counterpart is still the best player in the whole world. <laughs> it ain't even like LeBron just still contributing. Like, this man is still the best player in the game. So I think that eats at Melo. Like I don't think he's like hating or anything. I just feel like he he wishes and tries to convince himself that he still can do that too. I can agree with that. Uh, I actually just saw on the bottom of the screen 
Markel Fultz to see shoulder specialist. Um, he's Bro. he's actually on our list of topics here, and the actual topic was they're they're thinking about trading him. Is it a good or bad move? But let's uh, excuse me, let's pivot a little bit. Is that shoulder really going to be that big of an issue with him? Is this going to be something that can really ruin his career? You know, I was a huge Fultz fan. You were. In Washington. So, I watched a lot of him. This is not Markel Fultz that we're watching in the NBA. I don't know who this guy is. But clearly, whenever he had that little surgery on his shoulder, they fucked him up. Bro, they're – they did something. This man shot 45% from three in college. There was no issue shooting. He had the beautiful form. That's what I'm saying. Like, it were, there was no hiccups there. Like, now it's just gone. Like, it, nothing looks the same. Like, he still moves the same and everything. But as far as shooting the basketball, it's just totally different. Like, I've been saying it from the get-go. This man is not a bust. They messed up this man's shoulder. Like Sauce said, he said, botched shoulder surgery and and that that's the only thing i could think of man this go and just if y'all never seen faults really play in college go on youtube and watch this man in, in washington and then pull up his jumper now it, it is totally different yeah he it's, looks like a completely different guy i agree and it's it's saddening to me because of what we saw at washington like there were plenty of times i remember when you first told me about faults like obviously i had heard his name and you was like, nah, bro, really, like, stay up one of these nights. Washington come one at, like, 1030. They always got the late game. Stay up and fully watch one of his games. And the, from the first time I watched one of those games, I wasn't missing another one. Anytime that I saw Washington was on late, I'm like, yeah, let me stay up and watch Fultz. Regardless yeah, of who they was playing against, regardless of how much they was getting bashed by, you really saw his dominance on the court. And you saw – how great of a player he really was at that time. It wasn't just from the scoring aspect. He was a threat in every aspect of the game. He had everything you need out of a point guard. He was fully I'm I don't I don't dispute Philly at all for taking him with the number one pick because of what he was at Washington. I feel like he was the hands down favorite to be the number one. Who else do you take at that spot? You can obviously make a case for Tatum, but I feel like what we're, with where Philly was, Fultz was perfect for him. Yeah. It, I actually had thought that, uh, I yeah, he definitely was the number one pick. Yeah. I remember somebody was making the case for Lonzo. I don't know who I had that debate with, but I was just like, mm. man, Lon, I, tr- I told people that Lonzo was going to struggle offensively. People thought Lonzo was – just this big, great offensive score. I was like, no, that's fault. No, that's he fault. he's an he's an extreme offensive talent, but he's not an yeah. extreme offensive score by no means. That's definitely his weakest uh, point of his game. I saw at UCLA that he couldn't. He hadn't. He ain't have no scoring abilities. Like no, no create no bucket abilities. All his threes was either a one dribble step back or a step like a walk or, into or, one. Yeah, or a step or a catch and shoot three. And he and it was straight at the ten, either a dunk or a finger roll. Like this, he ain't he ain't have. I I just knew that that Lonzo was going to be a straight distributor in the league, mm-hmm. and I thought I knew that Fultz was going to get in the league and light it up like Donovan Mitchell did, which 
I feel like if his shoulder wasn't messed up, he definitely would have did. I think I think Fultz would have been rookie of the year. Do you know how crazy that rookie class really would have been if Fultz would have been there? Like, it was already crazy without Fultz. But you add a guy like Fultz and what he's capable of, what we know him as being capable of, man, we, we would probably be talking about the greatest rookie class of all time. Yeah. Maybe this, maybe this specialist he going to seek and get him right, man. I because sure as hell it's, hope it's so. Real because sad. if they can't fix it, then it's really sad that his career was basically taken away from him by a surgeon. And it wasn't even a, a big surgery that he had, right? Wasn't it just the no? Tweaks? Yes, it wasn't nothing that that demanded surgery. It was a cleanup surgery, like. We don't necessarily you doesn't you don't have to get surgery, but we're gonna do it just to be safe. And now it's like, uh, now I hurt you. Like he can't even shoot free throws now. Right. Like I ain't even talking about. He can't about bring making, his hands up past what a I'm certain saying. certain spot. Like it's, it's I ain't even talking about making it like this guy can't even he he just can't even shoot a free throw. Right. right? And this is a this not even no big man that we talking about this your seven foot from overseas that that snuck in and went number one that we ain't really seen or a guard that played at Loyola Marymount that we ain't really see against no competition but in the tournament like he played in power five and he averaged I think he his season averages last year in college was 24 or 25 and then he averaged like five boards five assists like on 45 percent shooting yeah three and like 40, I think he was like 47% from the field. It might have been 50. But, I mean, he balled. Yeah, he, he looked amazing. And now it's a guy, he can't even score. You mean to tell me his jumper changed when he went to the league? Like, he, nah, man. I feel sorry for folks, for real. It's, it's messed up. Hopefully he can get back right and at least get a couple years in. I do too, but, man. Break. Let's we we gotta take a break here because I'm watching this Duke Blue Devil game. We took off. These freshmen came out looking crazy. Like nah, nigga, y'all thought y'all had a chance. Let's show y'all what the real is. Cam Reddish just put this dude on an island in the corner. Uh, back. Um, uh, I was about to say Bagley. R.J. Barrett pushes the break, swings it to Trey Jones. He should have swung it to Cam. Swings it to Trey Jones. Trey Jones hits a mean skip across, basically saying, "Nah, nigga, this is where the ball should have went." Gives it to um, gives it to Cam in the corner. Cam hits dude with a smooth between the legs, half spin move out the way to the baseline and one, but they called it on the floor. But yeah, these freshmen are looking amazing. But speaking of Duke, let's let's transition to college basketball. Um, as many people know, Duke started off this season ranked number four. They jumped to number one. Uh, question is, does Duke honestly deserve to be number one? And was that a huge jump or, I guess, was it deserving? Now, both of us being Duke fans, no bias at all. It's going to be what it is. Personally, with me, I think that's how it should I think the way that the ratings are now is how it should have been to start the season. Exactly. How the hell? I I just I don't know. I don't. I guess they just was tired of putting us up there. I guess so too. But, <laughs> I but yeah, I mean, clearly coming into the year, I mean, I wasn't mad to be. Uh, I couldn't argue with being behind Kansas or Kentucky, honestly. But I could. 
Not no, not so I mean, much as make, Kansas, but UK. Yes, I'm taking us. You I'll, can make a case. You can make a case for both teams. Yeah, I don't feel like it they, was head and shoulders. Like it's they not have like, they have more talent returning. Than yeah, us yeah, and got the number two class coming in. That's why they they gave them the nod. They had the the better upperclassmen, but man. uh, Showtime. Oh, RJ. <laughs> what they didn't take into account was how good the freshman class that we brought in was. But, yeah, Kansas – because Kansas looked real good too, but I definitely thought that we sent the statement. I I was, like, 100% sure we would move to number one after that Kentucky game. Yeah, same here. Um, Also, I just want to add that I don't believe Auburn has scored in the second half yet. (laughs) We are now up 49 to 33, and I believe at halftime the score was 33 to 39. Huge takeoff and another three by Cam Reddish. But, uh, yeah, man, I feel like definitely the polls, how they are now, or I believe that's how it was supposed to be. Like, I don't, I don't think that this is, like, I don't know. This, this isn't something that that should be surprising to anybody. It was a, it's an all-time great team that we watching, and I'm not just saying that. Like, if you if only way you won't be able to admit that this is an all-time great team is that you hate Duke. Yeah, that's the only re- that's the only way, man. This this team right here, regardless of how the season ends, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I still feel like this is a, this is a legendary team. We have never seen it before. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. They have they have the tools, every tool that you possibly need to win a championship. Every ingredient that you need is right here. Like it's right in front of you. We they they have everything. Like what more could you ask from this Duke team? But uh, yeah, man, let's talk about another team that I guess people were somewhat high on this year and. I was defending national champions champions Villanova. They've dropped out of the top 25. Now, were they overrated and are they in trouble? I, I, I don't know. I'll let you take this one first. No, I'm going to say no to both of those. I don't think they're overrated and I don't think they're in trouble either. They lost a lot of talent last year to the NBA draft and, Villanova, as good as they are, they're not a reload me type of team like Duke or Kentucky. They're not going to bring in a top class every year. They're going to bring in some solid four-star guys, and they're going to have some good solid guys returning. So you got to give them time just to build some chemistry. They'll be fine. I I, I starting a freshman point guard. I think they'll be fine. I I, I think I got Villanova still winning the Big East. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I've got them winning the Big East as well. As I've already said, a team that could compete with them is a Marquette. But um, to answer that question, I will say yes and no. Yes, I feel like they were overrated for every reason that you just stated. They lost a lot of talent to the NBA. They're starting a freshman point guard. We don't know what their chemistry is going to be like. And I feel like a lot of their ranking came off of what they've done the last two years. And you can't. Yeah, I I understand it, but and it's not like they ain't got nothing coming back. They got Phil Booth. He he always hurt. He been hurt the past two years, but he's a dog. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, 
you got the dude Pascal or whatever. He's taking on a brand new role. Give him a couple games. He'll be filling it up. And um, um, damn, they had somebody else come back. Who else was he? I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember. But they they had some returning guys that was key pieces on that championship team. And then you throw in Javon Quinterly, and I can't remember the um the other two guys. They brought in two uh six nine uh guys who could play on the wing and on the block, can handle it a little bit, shoot the three. One um one of them is from Rhode Island. Yeah. Play two. I understand. I think that they completely. all was four stars. And like you said, I feel like once you give them some time to get their chemistry going, they'll be fine. They'll will they'll be back to uh, contending and there'll be a team that people that are opening people's eyes. But I feel like early in the season, like you said, it could be a respect thing. So I, I can, I can, they only, that. I understand. They only that. started, what was they like eight or nine starting the season, something like that? Uh, I want to say they were eight. Yeah, that's not, that's not bad to be a returning champ. I mean, defending champ to start the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as a defending champ, I feel that way. But at the same time, that defending champion lost a lot of pieces. Like this, we're like you said, we're not talking about a, a Duke here. This is a team that doesn't reload often. So when you lose guys like Jalen Brunson and um, uh, Archie, D- what's his name? Archie, Archie Diacono, whatever. Yeah, he left two years ago, though. Was it that was two years ago? Yeah, you sure. Yeah. Who was who went crazy for him last year in the championship then? Oh, that's DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking. Of. I ain't thinking of RGDF. No, DiVincenzo. You lost him. You lost uh Bridges as well. Uh what was that? Was that two years ago too? They lost Bridges? No, nah, nah, Bridges Mikael, was last year. Yeah. Mikael left last year. Yeah, so you lose guys like that, and it's like I mean, it's hard to to place them as high as as they were, uh, let me check and make sure. Yeah, they were they were nine, so that's not necessarily too high. Um, I just I don't know. I feel like a team like Villanova. They just it's it's a lot that they lost, and they they don't reload well, so it's hard to to get them. They kind of did reload though. Like I said, they brought they got they got key pieces. I would say, but, but it doesn't put them back Javon in there. Quinterly- Hell said Javon Quinterly ain't been getting along with Jay. Oh shoot. <laughs> so I don't know. But I think they'd be fine. I mean, I, mean, I think I they're, they're good moving their forward. Thing, so. I don't think that they're in trouble. I don't think that they're in trouble by no means. They'll they'll find themselves. I do think that the the two losses that they suffered were definitely eye openers. Like oh, what man. the fuck? Yeah. Get throttled by Michigan at home, and you lose to Furman. The Furman, like oh. what the fuck? That the Furman loss took me by surprise, but then the way that Michigan just manhandled them was like, whoa. They ain't been shooting well either. That's another thing. Yeah, just, that that's something that could easily be corrected. But I'm sure I'm sure Jay Wright is gonna have them guys ready to go, man. Yeah, Jay Wright. I'm I'm a fan of Jay Wright. He's a he's an exceptional coach. So I feel like he'll he'll have those guys clicking. So I don't think that they're in trouble. But let's uh let's transition to a uh to another I guess subject now. We we've talked basketball for a while. Let's let's talk football a little bit. Let's we'll start off NFL. I know this is probably going to be one of your favorite topics of 
the podcast, and that's the game that we just saw, Monday Night Football game, greatest Monday Night Football game of all time as far as I'm concerned, that, wow. I, that I've seen, definitely. Yeah, um, they, they- Fireworks. Chiefs and Rams. First time ever that a team has both teams have scored fifty plus points. What was the final score? Fifty four, fifty one. Yeah. Fifty four, fifty one. Rams. Um, this was a game that I stayed up and watched the entire thing. Like I just, this wasn't a game that you wanted to miss anything. It was highly anticipated, and boy, did it live up to everything that it was supposed to be. We both picked the Rams to win this game, and they did. But um. What were what were some of your uh, takeaways from this particular uh, Monday Night Football matchup? Um, first off, my takeaways is the NFL is different. Offense is crazy now. Like that, them teams just going up and down the field yesterday. Like every time, every time you thought, like, okay, okay, like when we went up ten, I thought I'm like. Finally, now we can take the air out the ball. We getting up out of here, you know what I'm saying? I thought, then they just scored 14 points in like two minutes. Like, <laughs> right. like, damn, what happened? Like, what's going on? The next thing you know, golf throwing another touchdown pass. Like, then I don't know, man. It this is different than any NFL season I've ever seen. I like, agree 100. percent If you take this back to any previous NFL season and you see forget both teams you see one team score 50 points the first question you're asking is where's the defense like that defense must have been terrible to give up 50 something and the funny thing about this is neither of those defenses are bad neither one of those defenses are bad it's just that they're both of those offenses are extremely prolific like I don't think we've seen the NFL with as many prolific offenses as we are seeing today. We have Not I don't think we've season. ever seen a season where we have a team like the Saints, we have a team like the Rams, and we have a team like uh the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs. Like it's crazy that we have offenses that are this prolific. Now, my biggest question is do you think that this is possibly a Super Bowl preview? I mean, we can't say that it's not it's not possible that this could be a Super Bowl preview because I mean both teams got a very good shot at making the Super Bowl and I mean both teams have some teams that they need to worry about in order to get to it. So it very well could not be the Super Bowl too. But I mean, it's the top teams in the conference. I think two of the top teams in each conference. I think they're both in the same situation. They're both in the same scenario where um, they have one team standing in our way of them actually being able to meet in the um, Super Bowl. And the thing, the thing about both of those teams that they have to worry about is the polar opposite of what they have. You have a guy in Mahomes who can fill it up. He's a stud. You got a guy in Jared Goff who can fill it up. He's a stud. But then on the other end of the teams that they have to worry about, in the AFC, the Chiefs have to worry about a guy like Tom Brady. He's a vet. He's a guy that's not going to make mistakes come playoff time. If you're looking for an outscore me match and you're like, you know what? We just gonna go out here and hope that our defense can get one or two takeaways and win this ball game and come out on top. 
it's not going to play out in your favor against a Tom Brady. Because come playoff time, you better believe he's going to be sharp. And he's going to be thinking the same exact thing. If my defense can go out here and give me one or two stops, we're going to win this ballgame, period. Then on the other end, you got a team like the Saints, who also have a veteran quarterback, who also have a guy in Drew Brees that's looking like, I can go out here and fill it up any given night. My defense go out here and get me a couple stops against these Rams, we can win. So the difference – the thing that's separating both of these teams from meeting in the Super Bowl, home field, home field advantage, and veteran quarterbacks. So they've got to hope that the Patriots lose and the Saints lose. Now, if both of these teams have home field advantage, I feel like the Rams definitely have a bigger chance of making it to the Super Bowl because I don't necessarily, I don't care where Tom Brady plays, come playoff time. He's here. It does not matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you have home field advantage in uh, Kansas City. Obviously, it helps you out a little more. But I'm. I miss Tom Brady. Like, come on now. With the Rams, you got a guy in Drew Brees who's a stud as well. But in L.A., woo, I I can't see them beating. Didn't they beat y'all in L.A. in the regular season? That's how they beat y'all, right? Was it in L.A. or was it uh, in New Orleans? I think it was in New Orleans. I'm pretty been. sure it was. I don't know. I can't remember. I ain't. I ain't I'm trying to forget it. <laughs> like even though it's only one L, I ain't, I put it in the rear view. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm gonna say it was in New Orleans as well. But I don't think uh, New Orleans can beat y'all twice, especially not with the second time being on the road. So I feel like that's definitely a, a big thing. But I feel like it could possibly be a Super Bowl preview. And I mean, goodness. That man, if it is a Super Bowl preview, I don't want to see no seventeen sixteen bullshit or seventeen six or nothing. They better give us the same fireworks, keep that same energy. I want to see it all over again. I can't see it being anything but the same thing. I don't think it'll be fifty points scored by both teams, but I definitely expect to see some fireworks. Yeah, definitely, most definitely. Another thing about my Rams is that's the one thing I've been waiting to see out of our defense is. Even if we're going to give up some points. Get some takeaways. Make, make some plays that show mm. me that you can still help us win the game. Yeah, because even as great as Mahomes looked last night, he had three interceptions and a fumble. So your defense – your Two fumbles, he, you're right. Five turnovers. So as de- your defense did what they needed to do. They forced turnovers, and you saw that was arguably the deciding factor. Yeah, and they they had some key stops too. They didn't get turnovers all every time, but they forced some key punts as well. Because we had a couple times we could have blew the game wide open. They got some stops, and they they did force some takeaways too, though. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, both teams did show that they can win those tight games. That game easily could have went the other way. When he threw that last pick, I was just so hyped because I <laughs> I was tired as hell. Yeah, that's that was one of those games where, as late as it was, it's like, man, I got to keep my eyes open for this because I know yeah, the ending yeah. is going to be special. Bro, I lied to you not. Soon as uh, Roby caught the ball or whatever. Who who caught the pick again? I don't remember. It was number 20. I can't remember it. But as soon as he caught it, bro, I cut was it off. Was it Joiner? Y'all got Joiner. That's what it was. Yeah, Joiner. Yeah, that's what it was, Joiner. I don't know why I said Roby. But, yeah, when he caught the pick, as soon as he caught it, I'll cut it off. <laughs> Going to bed. Straight like, up. 
when I laid down, I was like, damn, they did have three times. <laughs> like, fuck it, I'm going to bed, man. The way they've been filling it up. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. You get Mahomes the ball back, we might be in trouble. I, I was too tired, bro. I couldn't do it. I'm like, man, we better win. We better not lose. Yeah. We lost. Man. Hey, if y'all would have lost that game, you would have woke up sick. Like, how we lose? Hold on. I need to I need to run that back. I need to see the last two minutes of that. You know, I don't never be watching no NFL game. Exactly. That's how you know it was a banger. Like, you'll, you'll, you'll watch NFL, but you won't be glued to the TV, especially yeah, not regular no. season. It's definitely not. I was watching. I, first half, I didn't watch it, like, exclusively. I was playing the game with hell. But second half, I watched it all. Like, from the third quarter on, I just was like, damn. Because it wasn't no dull moments. Like, it was three and four play drives. Like you wouldn't you would go to get something or you cut it off or something, you done missed fourteen, eight, I mean twenty one points. Be like, damn, I only changed the channel for five minutes. That's a fact. Oh shoot, sheesh. We gotta try to zoom through these topics. We we about to break a record of how long this is. We ain't even touched on college football yet. We almost had an hour. Um, oh, yeah. uh let's go to the next topic. Next topic, Larry Fitzgerald passes T O. Um between the two. If you had to pick, who are you taking, T.O. or Larry? I believe me and you have already had this conversation. But for our listeners, who are you taking? I don't think we talked about this before. We did because you said you was taking Larry. I mean, that's who I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I know we had this discussion. But the reason being is that just T.O. was just a big distraction. If I can get T.O. without all the distractions, I, w- I would take T.O. But he's just... He's just going to do the most. You can't pair him with nobody. Who are you going to put on the other side? He just, he just, I don't know. I love, I love the talent, T.O., but I just feel like he, he causes unnecessary shit. That's crazy. It's extremely crazy because my notes literally say, if we're including off the field antics and whatnot, give me Larry. But if we're talking strictly production and on field, I like T.O. Yeah. I mean, it's a no brainer. that. Like, I, I don't feel like T.O. fully gets the respect that he deserves just because of who he was, like, with all of his antics. But we saw greatness. Like, yeah, our nobody... era of wide receivers that we watched growing up was the best era of wide receivers. Like, I'm willing to argue that with anybody. We got to see the ending stages of Chris Carter. We got to see – Randy Moss's entire career. We got to see T.O.'s entire career. We got to see a little bit of Jerry Rice. Like, we saw we saw wide receiver wide receiver displayed at its highest level. He even ended his shit on some antics. <laughs> You're talking about the Hall of Fame speech? Yeah. yeah like that was, that was purely ridiculous. Like, it was just like, bro, you are 40. Why is Zion so athletic for, though? Like, this shit is unfair in transition. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is crazy. But yeah, man. We, like, T.O., nobody's ever going to tell you T.O. wasn't great on the field. But, I mean, you still, you, the guys in the locker room got to like you. And there's no reason why they, they, they won't like you if you a good teammate. Like, when he started talking, he just he just had some selfish ways. Definitely did some dumb shit that he probably regrets. He act like he don't, but he probably do. I also feel like 
this doesn't take anything from Larry Fitzgerald. He's a phenomenal receiver. I don't want this to sound like I'm shading him in any way. But I also think that the eras that they played in also have a lot to do with him passing T.O. and whatnot. T.O. played at a time where the running backs were extremely dominant. And uh, Larry Fitzgerald played a, a bit of time with that as well. But the longer his career went on, the more you saw them teams um, starting to air it out a little more. He's now, a guy by respect too, is Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. I don't, I don't think people our age really realize how great how, he is. Yeah, how dominant he's been throughout his Oh! <laughs> like, Zion just tried to kill somebody. <laughs> I can't believe somebody stepped in his way. But yeah, you People, I don't think people our age really realize the, the numbers he's put up and how long he's been around. Like, I feel like since the Cardinals aren't always good, like, people might even forget that he even still even playing football. Yeah, I agree. He's not a highlight type of guy, so you're not seeing him on ESPN. Exactly. He's just – he's extremely effective. He reminds me of, like, a Marvin Harrison type of guy. And Marvin Harrison got the exposure he did because he played with a Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah. And both of those guys are exceptional. Larry Fitzgerald is a guy that just anything you need him to do on a football field, he can do. He's a premier route runner. He has exceptional hands. He, He's a good blocker. Uh, yes, he does it all. He literally does everything you need from a wide receiver. And I feel like if he were in his prime in this particular decade, he would be extremely dangerous with these pass-heavy uh, offenses as well. But I think T.O. in this particular era, oh, my goodness. I don't even feel like it would be fair trying to watch somebody guard him. You put him out there in these spread offenses, T.O. going to go super bonkers. Mm -hmm. But that's what majority of wide receivers. But uh, like we both said, uh, as far as pure talent, we both taking T.O., but with the antics included, got to go Larry Fitzgerald. I don't necessarily think that you can go any other route, including the antics. But next topic, the Pittsburgh Steelers are starting to pick up steam here. We saw them last week, uh, well, this past week, come back from a 17-point deficit, score 20 unanswered points, I believe it was, to win the game 20-17, to which gave them a boost of confidence. Now, my question to you is, with them – clearly not having Le'Veon for the rest of the year. Do you think the Steelers have a legitimate chance at contention, at Super Bowl contention without Le'Veon? Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to say. I think I, that they can beat the Patriots or, or the Chiefs. So, I mean, no. Yeah, my, my answer is definitely no. And it's not because they don't have Le'Veon. It's because they do have Big Ben. I feel like, uh, <laughs> I mean, come playoff time, it's nice to have a dominant and versatile running back like a Le'Veon that you can lean on when you got a guy like Big Ben under the center. And I feel like as good as James Conner looks to be, I don't think he's as dynamic as Le'Veon is. And that's not to say he's not good because he is, and he has huge upside, but Le'Veon's the type of guy that I feel like defensive coordinators have nightmares about. Like, they literally scheme, scheme, scheme around Le'Veon. Like, we're, we stop Le'Veon, we can win this ball game. Same with A.B. Like, I just feel like that's how it goes. But with 
Le'Veon's skill set, he has like I feel like he single handedly has to power has the power to win ball games, especially if you put him beside a guy like A B or Juju. But with James Conner, I feel like he's gonna get his rocks off because teams aren't scheming to stop him. Schemes teams are scheming to stop A B at this point. And that does that's not a knock on him at all. The only knock is that it's a lot easier to scheme for stopping at AB than it is a Le'Veon Bell because of Big Ben. With a guy like Big Ben, it's like we don't necessarily have to fully contain AB because Big Ben's probably going to throw it to us one or two times. <laughs> and with Le'Veon, that's a guy that's like you, that Big Ben, the fact that Big Ben is inefficient doesn't matter because they can turn around and hand him the ball. They can throw him screens out the backfield. They can line him up. In the slot, he's a matchup nightmare for linebackers, and he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have to have difficult routes for Big Ben to throw in order for him to get effective. So, I feel like no, but as I said, it's not because of Le'Veon; it's because of Big Ben. That's I just feel like it's it's time for them to to move on from Big Ben. But I don't know, man. Well. We'll see. That's not to say that they don't. They absolutely don't have a chance. But I don't. I think at this point, that's that's asking a lot of a ball club like Pittsburgh for them for them to beat the Chiefs or the Patriots or hell, maybe even the 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 uh, the Texans. I don't even know that they could beat them. But for them to beat the Patriots and the Chiefs, they're going to have to have somebody playing over their head. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only a couple thing. of guys. Yeah, they're they're not going to do it like just by how they how they their guys are playing as themselves. Somebody's going to have to be playing better than they did this year. That's mm-hmm. not to say everybody been playing trash. I'm just saying somebody's going to have to be going crazy, right? For them to for them to knock off those teams. And I agree. I don't see it happening. So I don't either. But um, let's uh, let's transition to college football here. Now, WVU, which, you know, a lot of our listeners are in West Virginia, so we'll give them an entire topic this week. They lost to Oklahoma State. I know this probably isn't the topic that most WVU fans want to hear, but let's talk about it. I mean, we got to. They lost to Oklahoma State. What do you think the cause for that loss was? Why do you think WVU lost that game? Poor clock management. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't get to watch the end of the game because I thought they had it in hand and I was out to eat. So I just quit paying attention. And then next thing you know, people was like, I can't believe West Virginia lost. I'm like, <laughs> what? Right. So I had to watch it on YouTube. But, yeah, it was – I mean, you got to be able to put that away up 10 with five minutes to go. You got to be able to put that away. I agree. Especially I agree 100%. With a chance to win the Big 12 looming next week. This isn't that's not exactly. It's, that's not a game that you can afford to drop no. but you know when Oklahoma's on a radar. Forget like a Oklahoma's into, up at bat. How do you allow yourself to lose that game? Right. As like I don't know, man. That's just crazy. I don't I don't It's, it's a combination of uh of poor game management and coaching, but I feel like they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Like you can't have poor game management without poor coaching. Period. It just that's just as simple as that. I feel like 
Dana Hogerson, you've got to know better. You've got to. There's no way that you lose that ball game to an Oklahoma State team with you having to leave with that little amount of time on the clock. It just shouldn't happen, especially with you knowing as high-powered as that offense is. Come on now. this you Clock management should be your number one thing. You should have practiced that all week because you knew what this game was going to be. You just saw what Oklahoma State did with Oklahoma. Took it to the wire. So you know good and darn well that they're going to come out fire in this game just like they did last game. So to me as a coach, you practice all week where we have to control that clock. This is not a game we want to go into playing outscore me. We have to control the clock, especially in situations like yesterday or not yesterday, uh, this past week. At the end of the game, this is the most important time. It was, you, it was the most simple West, as that. It was the most West Virginia thing to do. Fact. The most that WVU is a fact. thing to do ever is to lose. That is a fact in that fashion. Before you, what right when you sh- when the playoff committee shows you that you got a realistic chance to make the playoff. I mean, I don't think they would have made it if they won out, but they had a realistic chance. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Now. With that being the case, West Virginia has Oklahoma this week, along with a lot of other guys uh, during rivalry week. Um, My question to you, which rivalry week game, I'll say outside of Ohio State, because I don't necessarily, I I don't know. We'll we'll go outside of Ohio State, because I feel like that's the the given answer. Everybody's going to answer that way. Which game do you feel like has the biggest potential to be an upset outside of Ohio State? I can't believe I'm saying this. But Auburn. Oh. Wow. That's a huge pick. I'm just starting to feel it. I think I feel it in the air. They the way they played last week against the Citadel, I just feel like they're getting a little complacent. Well, I mean like they took off in the end, don't get it twisted. But it just was like that first half, it just was like Let's be honest though. If we go if we're gonna be honest, they show a game uh in game what do you call it? Uh in game clips of what was going on. Like they, they went back and forth as as I was watching Ohio State last week. And Alabama didn't necessarily pull away to end that game. The Citadel made mistakes that they shouldn't have made if they were looking to upset Alabama. Granted, I feel like Alabama still would have won that game. But the Citadel made it a lot easier on them with, I believe it was a missed field goal that happened. Then after the missed field goal, they turned around and turned the ball over. And Mm. then turnover, it was a touchdown. Like it was a, a turn. I can't remember if it was a fumble or a pick six. Whatever it was, it was a turnover to an immediate touchdown. And that just, that open the floodgates for Alabama. So it was two crucial mistakes that the Citadel made that I felt like couldn't have been made. So Alabama didn't necessarily pull away. They just, they capitalized as they, as great teams are supposed to do. They did what they did, but that surprises me. Auburn over Bama. That's, I just don't think it's going to be no upsets really. I do. Who you got? I honestly believe that y'all. No, I'm telling you. Listen, listen, no. listen. Y'all have not played y'all's best ball at all this year. I have not seen a USC game to where I'm like I've seen. I have not seen a USC game 
to where I felt like, you know what, they kind of got something moving forward here. Hey. Might not be this year, but moving forward here. And I feel like this is the game where, excuse me, the stakes are high. Do you know what our record is? Yeah, I got a losing record. I know that. Five and six. <laughs> We're not bowling this year. Listen, that's ex- and that's the thing. Y'all win this game, y'all go bowling. So it's a lot at stake for y'all. It's been a long time since USC has not gone bowling for one. And for two, the way that USC always plays Notre Dame, that that makes the stakes of this game extremely high. And Notre Dame hasn't been a team that we've seen a lapse out of like we have against Alabama, like or that we have seen with Alabama, like how Alabama had their their little misstep last week. We haven't seen that out of Notre Dame this year. We haven't seen Notre Dame at their worst, and I feel like it's looming. I feel like Notre Dame's a great team, but they're not too great to make mistakes, and I feel like this USC team could do some upsetting. I would love to have confidence in picking us. I thought about it for all of five seconds and was like, because <laughs> at first I was like, it's a rival game. We're going to be up. Then I'm like, no, because UCLA's a rival game too, and we just got knocked off by them. And what's so, what's so crazy is I was talking about UCLA earlier this year about how trash they was and they fell off. You know what I'm saying? They started out like 0-4 or something like that, 0-5. And I'd be down with them. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I mean, I understand that, but at the same time, I just feel like you guys, it's a lot more at stake here than it was the UCLA game. I mean, this is do or die. Y'all win this game, y'all go bowling. Simple as that. And I don't feel like this team wants to have that <clears throat> that looming over their head or hanging over their head that, damn, we're the first USC team in I don't know how many years that has not made a bowl game. Well, let me just say this now. I hope you're right. <laughs> Cause I, 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 I don't, I don't know with this. I never. This is the most games my college team ever lost. I ain't lost six games before. I've said crazier things, so I don't think that this is this is even. I don't think it's outlandish, but I just don't think we're about to beat no Notre Dame. Not the way we've played this year. Well, I'm telling Offensive you, I, it's horrible. Yeah. That's true, but I, I'm telling you, I just feel like this is the game where y'all take a step. But outside of y'all, I also uh, I also think Washington could pull an upset for Washington State as well. Would you? I mean, I guess technically that is an upset, though. But the reason why I was just like, ranking-wise, but that's I don't feel like it is either because of the big brother, little brother type thing. Yeah, and, I mean, Washington was the team that was supposed to be the best team in the Pac-12 this year, so that clearly let you know that they that's a good team. They're capable of beating anybody. Who are you telling? I picked them to get in my four. Yeah, so Big I, I would, that's the reason why I wouldn't consider that an upset is because I still see Washington as a top team, even though they're not ranked as such. Okay, well. Because they got a lot of talent. A lot of talent. I feel it. Well, let's jump into this week's locks. Um, what was your record last week? Man, I left my notebook at work, man. Uh, so I don't got I don't got my picks or or what I went last week, man. All right, so y'all y'all get a free week this week. If I'm y'all, I don't gamble. Don't go don't go do it. I know y'all gonna have that good old turkey in y'all stomach this weekend and feel like you know what? 
I don't got to work. Let me go see the bookie. I might start dabbling with some NBA picks. Oh, yeah. We might have to pull that pull that in the next episode. That I feel like that'll be a, a that'll be interesting for our listeners with the way this regular season with the way that the NBA is going. You can you could probably make uh a nice little, you know, nice little amount of change on the NBA regular season, but uh, no picks this week for the locks. So, excuse me. Let's get into our pickums then. Game one: Oklahoma at WVU. Who do you have? Ooh. I'm going West Virginia. I got West Virginia as well. I don't think that West Virginia is going to come off of a loss to an Oklahoma State team and be back at home and knowing how crucial that game was last week. I don't think that they can come in and let their fans down this, might this be, week as well. It might be Saints. Ram, I mean, Rams. Marquise Bolden is out here looking like a man. He's sending everything and catching oops. Uh, he, he's definitely looking like that guy we need him to be this year. But um, what did I say? 18 rebounds? <laughs> he got, oh my God, he just blocked another shot. He always said everything. Six blocks, 11 points, six blocks. Oh my gosh. 11.6 blocks, eight boards. That was a little separation thing. They had a little <laughs> lineup to separate. I thought it was a one. I was about to say, he out here going crazy. But um, yeah, man, I got uh, W in that one as well. Uh, Washington at Washington State. Who you got? Washington. I got Washington, too. I think this is the week of upsets. We haven't had a week yet where it's been super crazy with upsets. We've had one that it was somewhat crazy, but I think this is where it gets super crazy. Uh, Last pick, Ohio State or Michigan at Ohio State. They got to come to the shoe. Who you? I know who you got, so what's your score? <laughs> uh, 42-31. Nah, Ooh, nah, 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 I'll take that back. I was about to say, hold on now. You got to be this by double digits? I'm going to say 35 31. 35 31. 35 31. That's not bad. I got Ohio State by a score of 43 42. I think it comes down to. Uh, Ohio State scoring late in the game, and we go for two. Get them up out of here. <laughs> Simple as that. That's how I see it happen. We break their hearts. But everybody knew that I was going to pick my Buckeyes regardless. But I'm hoping the game's a lot less close than that. But with the way our defense has been looking, our only hope is for it to be a shootout. Everybody knew I was picking Michigan, too, because, you know, I picked them to get into the four. <laughs> well, this is where it comes to an end, bub. Nah, gee. It's over. This is where you realize, fuck, they really can't beat Ohio State. Nah, this one I realized Ohio State really is trash like we thought they was. Hey, hey, I'm not going to dispute that because we've been looking like some horse shit. Nah, but I ain't going to lie. I feel real awkward calling other people's team trash. <laughs> <laughs> like, it don't even. I would, too. It don't even feel right. Oh, y'all at home against Notre Dame, too? Man, we losing that game, bro. Let's go. I'm super confident in my pick now. Yeah, I definitely got y'all in the upset. But um, 
yeah, man, that pretty much wraps up our episode. Was there anything else you want to add before we get up out of here? Mm, nah, nah, I ain't got nothing. Um, y'all make sure y'all go on Apple Music. Y'all listen to uh, Hollow Tip by Tay Easy. Type in Hollow Tip. Two separate words. Tay Easy. That's T A space E A. Is it you spell it with an S or a Z? S. S E A S Y. Um, I am featured on there. Track number nine, Killers on My Payroll, is K O M P. Um, I'm telling you, it is a phenomenal work of art. Could be more proud of Tay for getting this going. For anybody who supports West Virginia rappers, the local artists at all, or just supports music, rap music at all, check it out, man. We got a, a big time feature from Doughboy on there too. Um, so that's that's huge. But make sure y'all check that out. Uh, the song that y'all hear on our intro will be from Hollow Tip. So make sure that y'all check that out, man. That's that's it's it's monumental. But signing out, it's your boy Ish. And it's your boy Sam, man. We appreciate y'all. We out.